Well, the last half hour, we were talking about Canada's defense spending with former U.S. Ambassador to Canada, Bruce Heyman. Of course, that's always been an irritant in our relationship. Canada's uh, lower than uh, expected, or at least lower than NATO recommended spending on defense. 2% is what NATO recommends. Not many countries get there, but some do. Certainly, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has prompted a NATO-wide reflection on the importance of security and how defense spending fits into that equation. Well, Today, the parliamentary budget officer released a report on what it would take Canada to meet uh, NATO recommendations of 2% and found that Ottawa would have to commit an additional $75.3 billion before the end of 2027. Yves Giroux, of course, the uh, parliamentary budget officer, says that's not going to happen. Um, It's just not going to happen in the short term. Well, to look at the implications of that, joining me now is David Perry. He's the president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and host of the Defense Deconstructed podcast. Thanks for being here tonight. Great to talk to you. Not too surprised. I mean, I think we all understood where Canada's defense spending was and just how hard it would be to uh, to make it to that 2% target. Uh, but this certainly lays it out in a pretty stark way. Were you anything surprising for you in there at all? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I think uh, the value of what the Parliamentary Budget Officer did was to basically just do the math. Um, and, you know, they did it in more detail than uh, those of us that are just kind of sitting down and doing it on the back of a napkin kind of thing uh, can sketch out. But, you know, it's a significant uh, delta between where we're at uh, and the 2% target, you know, irrespective of what particular year you were like looking to do it and what assumptions you make about how uh, fast or how slow the economy is going to grow. Um, at either way, you you slice it, uh, you're, you're talking about adding significant additional dollars to, to spend on defense. Uh, and I guess there is a, a challenge here in the fact that, that you know, we do need to spend wisely as well as, as in perhaps more. But uh, what message do you think this report should send to those uh, holding the purse strings right now, making these decisions? Well, I think presumably to, to flesh out and, and reinforce, provide another data point about exactly what that arithmetic would look like. Um, you're not talking about inconsequential amounts of money. So in a, a circumstance where, you know, as a country, you've got um, significantly raising uh, interest rates, uh, which is going to put additional uh, pressure on the federal government for uh, debt repayment, debt servicing uh, issues, which is a, a fiscal pressure that this country hasn't really faced in a consequential way, like I think we're about to uh, since, you know, the, the 1990s. Um, that's definitely a consideration to, to actually see in stark relief what the dollars look like. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, the, the government, even before it uh, formed the arrangement with the new Democrats, uh, federally uh, had a number of other spending commitments that are, are at issue. So I think that just helps put all of this in, in conse- into some context and, and to lay out, um, you know, the, the cost-benefit trade-offs of, of doing uh, more on defense, moving to one of those uh, NATO targets um, uh, and the implications of doing that and what that would uh, potentially imply in terms of uh, additional debt and borrowing or, or potentially uh, restricted fiscal space elsewhere. There is obviously, we understand, increased pressure on NATO members to try and at least approach that target, given the situation in Ukraine. We've seen other commitments. Uh, How much pressure will Canada be under from allies to to be seen to be spending more? I think there's a lot. Um, I think, you know, certainly a a number of other allies have already made uh, commitments 
to additional spending. Uh, I think one thing to note um, in some of the discussion after the, the last federal budget and in part what um, the parliamentary budget office highlighted in its report on defense spending, Canada hasn't actually set a target the way that other countries have. After the last budget, um, I had the opportunity to be in the budget lockup and listen to some of the finance officials who basically had said, um, unlike what was reported that Canada was going to spend to one and a half percent of GDP on defense, uh, a more accurate way to put that is that if everything in the budget works out, uh, both the projected spending for defense as well as all the economic assumptions, and I think at this point in time, both of those are, you know, um, a little uncertain, I guess, to, to say the least in terms of the long-term projections, given where things are with the cost of energy and, you know, commodity prices and a whole bunch of other things right now. If all that panned out, the arithmetic would work out that we're, we'd spend 1.5% of GDP uh, at the end of the five-year fiscal forecast. Other countries have come out and made targets and, and said, you know, we will spend to X, um, which is, I think, a, a different kind of quality of commitment. And in a context where I think a lot of the alliance is, is really reevaluating uh, its commitments to what, it's invest- what they're investing in their military and, and how those measure up in terms of the commitments that all alliance members have made at the different uh, uh, NATO summits, that is going to put Canada in a different spot. A lot of the other countries that we had sort of had surrounding us at the back of the pack in terms of the share of GDP that Canada spends on defense. Um, And it's important to note that if in absolute dollars, Canada has been for some time the sixth largest spender in the alliance, if you just do it as a straight outlay in US dollars. Um, But because we're rich, if you convert that to a share of economy, um, then we are in kind of the back quadrant of, of alliance members. And a number of them, uh, about eight by my count, have made a commitment to increase significantly their spending just since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, So Canada is going to be increasingly isolated and alone um, at falling short of the target and also not having made a commitment to, to actually reach it. What kind of impact could that have then on Canada's standing in the alliance? And I'm certainly if there's a change of, you know, politics in the U.S. are unpredictable, but there certainly is every possibility there could be a change of, uh, of government in the U.S. that's far more critical of Canada not spending up to its uh, to that 2% or even anywhere near it. Well, just to focus on the last uh, thing you said about the U.S. administration, I think the real key there would be whether or not uh, an administration would be publicly critical uh, and publicly critical in a way that we saw um, manifest in a particularly unique Trumpian way, more broadly beyond the United States. And, you know, I guess that maybe there's two ways that this can go at the other uh, at some of these NATO summits. Um, you know, maybe the fact that there are now more alliance members that have made commitments to actually meet the target takes some of the impetus sort of having those discussion. Uh, but at the same time, now there's going to be more countries than there were before that are comfortable having that discussion uh, with uh, their colleagues uh, like Canada that are not meeting those commitments um, because there's fewer of them. So some tough decisions ahead for the federal government then about uh, how much to spend and how to spend it and how much is available to spend. And if you spend it, what are you not spending on? Yeah, no, I think those considerations, I mean, you know, governing is all about making choices, uh, I guess, or not. But if you don't make choices, you are implicitly making some uh, just by not choosing to do other things. But I think that pressure on defense, you know, we've certainly seen that a lot uh, from the American ambassador to Canada in the last uh, number of weeks, um, comments about discussions around continental defense. Um, and I think at the same time, I think the conflict in Ukraine and Canada's ability to support it, um, which is ultimately a function of the investments that were or were not made over uh, successive past decades, has really kind of shone a light into the state of our armed forces, which, you know, as has been the case for decades with their aircraft, with their um, our ships, um, 
you know, at one point they're very capable. They may have been upgraded. Um, they may be serviceable. But if you're making a comparison between, say, the anti-tank uh, weapons that Can- the Canadian Army had held that we could give to Ukraine, uh, which have been serviceable and and have, you know, there's been videos of Ukrainians using those to, to kill Russian tanks, uh, are of a different technological uh, quality and era than modern weapons that are uh, that had recently been given to the Ukrainians by some of our other close allies, like the United States and Britain. They'll do a job, they'll do the job, uh, but they're not going to be able to do it as effectively and from as long a distance uh, as some of the new modern, more modern kit, you know, similar to the same story for the air force and the Navy ships are functional. The aircraft still fly, uh, but 40 year old technology at the end of the day is 40 year old technology. David Perry. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.